Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. Thank you, Lord. My goodness, I'm excited. Glory to God. God is a good God, isn't he? Every seat is a reserved seat. Every seat has a life connected to it. Amen. Every seat has a purpose connected to it. Hallelujah. Did you come expecting to hear from God today? Amen. Did you come expecting to be used by God today? Glory to God. This is not a spectator sport. This is not a spectator sport. God saved you to use you. <laughs> God saved you to use you. You know, raise your hand if you've been baptized in water. Amen. You know that that baptism, your water baptism, is a symbol of your induction into this family. The water baptism symbolizes that you belong to God. And not just that, but beyond that, the water baptism represents or it's a symbol of you, you deciding to be a disciple. A disciple is a student or a learner. So you being baptized in water is a symbol of you saying that I, am, I side with Christ's party. I follow him. Not just that we belong to him. It's easy to say, yeah, I'm saved. But your water baptism says that I am participating in the work that he's doing. So what I, I, tell, I tell you that this is not a spectator sport. When you got baptized in water, you said, I'm, not, I'm no, longer, no longer am I just watching, but I want to participate. I want to be about the same business that he was about. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I encourage you, when you come to service, don't come. You know, there's, there's a scripture that says that, you know, there's, there's a group of people who, having already been taught, they still show up like they need to be taught. And by now, you ought to be teachers. What that means for us, what that means for us, I'll just tell you about myself. So I got to the point when, when, that when I was present in a service, even if I didn't, even if I wasn't on the agenda, even if I'm not on the agenda, I still have an assignment. So as I'm sitting, I'm praying. As I'm sitting, I'm interceding. As I'm sitting, as I'm walking through the building, as I'm walking to my seat, I'm serving. I'm looking for opportunities to serve. I'm participating. Even though, even if I'm not on the written agenda, I'm still showing up expecting to be used by God so I can guide somebody else so that they can receive what God has for them. I'm not just coming to spectate. I'm coming to participate. And I'm saying to you, you show up with that same thing in mind. You don't come here to spectate. You won't receive everything that God has for you if you just came here to watch. There's, there's, there's a receiving in giving. There's receiving in giving. When you give your ability, you give your attention, you give your prayer, you give your heart's desire that someone else receive what God prepared for them, then you also receive the empowerment necessary to be used by God. We don't just come here to spectate. 
The person that comes here to spectate, <laughs> not just here, but anywhere you show up where God is doing things or any service you attend, if you've just come to spectate, then you come, you, you're almost like you're full, you're, you're full cup already. The spirit of God, how's the spirit of God going to enter you? This, the purpose of God being in you is so that you can do something, not so that you can remain the way that you have been. Right. If you come just to spectate, then you come in like a full cup. What's the point in the, the spirit of God being on the inside of you if all you came to do was to spectate? But if you come to be used, then the spirit of God can move in you and use you. Even if him using you is just you encouraging the person next to you. Even if the way that he uses you is for you to speak life into somebody else, using you to be a greeter. There is a a test. There is witness inconsistency. What I mean by that is your consistent attendance speaks to other people. You consistently being present speaks of the gravity and the importance of service, serving God and being present to hear from God. There are many ways. God is dynamic. There are many ways that you can be used to encourage someone else. You have to come with the mindset that you're going to be used. You have to come with the expectation to be used. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. God is good. We're going to do a little review today. Amen. I want to take the things, you know, I've basically been teaching the same message for a long time since we've been here. And uh, I want to make sure that you get the point. We've just repackaged it and found different ways to say it and put different titles on it. But it's the same message. It's the same thing. There's there's, you know, I, I once was at a church and I told them, I said, you know, God is not scatterbrained. Sometimes preachers make make it seem that God is like scatterbrained. What I mean by that is, you know, you come to the we there are some churches who operate as if. Every time you show up, you need to hear a new message. It needs to have a new title and new everything. But it's like, well, what is God saying? If every time I show up, I'm supposed to hear something new, what is God trying to get me to do? Do you all hear what I'm saying? <laughs> if you understand what I'm saying, say amen. Say something. Amen. You know? I mean, your conversations don't happen like that. What if you were in conversation with a person and every word, every time they opened their mouth to say something, they said something in a totally different topic? How could you follow what they're saying? You couldn't. Conversations don't happen like that. This is we come here to have a conversation with God. To hear what God is saying to us. Where is God moving us? God, what are you assigning us? Let's get more clarity about the assignment and what it is that you want us to do. If we came and heard him a new topic and a new something different every week, it will be like, well, what are we actually supposed to do? Even if what we heard was, 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 was entertaining and energetic and motivating or whatever, but how do you live life like that? God wants to, God wants to be a part of your everyday living. Amen. Amen. All right. So today we're just going to clarify what it is that God is saying to us, specific to us in our assignment and what he has us doing in Pinellas County. Yesterday we had our uh, vision day meeting. Amen. And um, during that that time, we had some conversation that just reaffirmed to many of us that God 
has a plan for us in this area. God has a plan. God, I'll just say as plain as I can, God wants this group of believers in St. Petersburg. I'm not just speaking generally like God God is doing something in St. Pete. Yeah, God is doing something in St. Pete, but specific to us, God wants RTM, Revealing Truth Ministries, men and women who have been groomed and have grown up under the word that's come through Revealing Truth Ministries, God wants those people in St. Pete to do a specific work. I believe we concluded that in the conversation we had yesterday. If you are there and you agree, say amen. 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 So what we've done after concluding that, okay, God wants us. God wants a specific group of people. God wants people like us. God wants people who believe like us. God wants people who serve like us. God wants people who approach his purpose, approach his word. People like us, specifically us. God wants us in this area to do a specific work. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's good news. That is a great place to start. A great place to start in life or in your destiny or in your purpose is understanding that God does want you. The next question is, OK, God, then what is it that you want me to do? We've clarified it. It's real clear. God wants us in St. Petersburg. Amen or amen? amen. Is that right or is that right? right. Yes or yes? yes? Yes. God wants us in St. Pete. The next question is, okay, God, clarify to us what you want us to do in St. Pete. Right? So our presence here is no longer a question. Now, what is the assignment for us here? There's an assignment for us. There's a reason that God wants us here. There's a work that God wants to do through us for this area. There is something that we bring to this area. God bless all the other called people. God bless all the other churches and all the other saved people. There's a work that God wants us to do, specifically us. Right? We get to add to the gumbo. Right. OK. Um, so God has called us here to make leaders or build leaders and make disciples. I want you to repeat after me. I'm called, I'm called to, build to build leaders and make disciples. And make disciples. Two things. Two simple two things. I won't call them simple, but it's simple to understand that they are just two clear things that God has assigned for us to do. Build leaders and make disciples. Do you see that? God has called us to build leaders and make disciples. That's our assignment. Build leaders and make disciples. With every assignment, there is an anointing. God does not issue assignments without equipping the one that he assigned in order to succeed. Amen. So I want you to say this with me. I am, I am anointed, anointed to, build leaders, to build leaders 
and make disciples. That's the anointing that's on your life. You are empowered. The anointing is an empowerment. You are empowered to build leaders and make disciples. I'll share this with you. Even if you have a reservoir of ability, it can remain just a reservoir of ability if you never engage in the work that is there for. You can go through life with just an empowerment and that empowerment never be, that power never be released, the power never be utilized if you never engage in the work that the power is there in the first place. How many of us, how many people walk through life empowered but never live life empowered because they don't engage in the purpose of the power. I've shared with you Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I've shared it with you and shared it with you and shared it with you, and hopefully you sharing it with yourself, you reading it and reading it, memorize it, know it, Because what it shows us, what that verse shows us, and there are other verses that support it, what that verse shows us is that when we were born again, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, we were born anew to do a good work. And the scripture says we're born anew to do a good work that God predestined for us. What that means is that God predetermined a good work for your born again life. Along with your born again life, Along with it, in the package of salvation was included a good work in the salvation package. So you got salvation here and you got your born again, good work right next to it. They came together in the same package. Right. How many people in here born again? So with your born again life, there's also a good work for you to do. He's already predetermined it. Already predestined it. For every born-again person, there's a predetermined, predestined work for that person to do. Right? And then that scripture also says that we can live good lives that he prepared ahead of time, prearranged and made ready for us to live. That's good news. So with my born-again life, there's a good work and my life is good at the same time. So he has a work for me to do, and he has a good life for me to live. It's already in the package. You see that? Now, what what I submit to you and what I've been showing you and, and talking about is that so the life that we desire to live, the things that we want, the life that you imagine, the life that you dream about, the fulfilled, full life, the life of purpose. There's a scripture, I think it's Proverbs chapter 3, 
verse 2, it's from in Amplified, it says, the life that's uh, worth living, he'll give you a life worth living. The life worth living, all of these things that you dream about, all of the things that you desire, the things that you want, it's connected to the good work that he made ready for you to do. So what I'm saying to you is that the fulfilled life and the good work go together. To make it even more plain, so if you live, if you live to fulfill the good work, along with it comes the good life. That's what I'm saying to you. We can be in this life not doing the good work, and we won't get to the good life that he partnered with that good work. Many times when we find ourselves stumbling through life, stumbling through life, I'm going to declare it boldly as I can, but from my own conviction, the reason that happens is because you're not focused on the good work. You stumble through life because you're not, you're not focused on the good work, or you find yourself having to manufacture your own good life. Because you're not focused on his good work. Hey, there are many people who can manufacture what others would call a good life. It can look pretty decent by some standards. But I believe in the heart of that person, no matter what they amass, no matter what they accomplish, on the inside they know that they didn't get the life that was really in their heart to get, right? That doesn't have to be any of our testimony. We can have a fulfilled life. I mean, we can finish and like Jesus say, my work is done. That's the most satisfying thing to me. My goal, my life goal is to finish done. Like, I'm done. I can go ahead and transition on to heaven because I'm done. I'm finished. I can, I can transition from earth to heaven in peace because I've finished all that I was supposed to do. I'm done. That's my goal. That's, that's the most, that seems like to me the most satisfying thing. The most satisfying thing is to be finished, really finished. Like, I'm finished. I've chewed on this bone as, as, as long as I can. I ain't, there's no flavor in it no more. That's my goal. I want to chew on this thing, chew all the flavor out of it. I mean, like, when the last time you chewed a piece of gum until all the flavor was gone? That's what I want to do with life. I want to chew on this life till there ain't no flavor left in it, and I can go ahead and transition on to better because I have lived this life. I am done. That's freedom. I'm done. My desire is all of us get to live that life. Understand that God is a good, good governor. Oh, man, he's a good governor. What I mean by that is he, he supplies who he employs. He supplies who he employs. Amen. He told his disciples that there's not a person 
that left their economy, left their way of doing things, left their way of meeting their own need, who I won't have a way to meet their needs that's 100 times better than the way they figured out how to meet their needs. Amen. That's what he told them. Ain't a person that's going to leave house or home or family or land for my name's sake in the gospel who won't receive a hundred times more than what they left. Yes. Amen. He's a good governor. He's a good employer. Mm-hmm. I love working for God. Amen. It makes some folk jealous. I'm having to renew my mind to, to how good it is to work for God. I am because... In my own mind, I'm like, man, this is just too good. Like, this is really good. You need to feel like that. When you understand that you work for God, then the work you do transcends to another level. When you understand that you're employed and you're positioned by God, then what can a man or what can a woman do or say to shake you? I ain't moving. I don't care what you say. I ain't here working for you. No way. Don't tell me. I mean, okay. Yeah, you be polite. You say that you won't give me a raise. You don't realize that I don't work for you. No way. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. This needs to be our mindset. We are kingdom ambassadors. We're here, but we're not from here. We represent another place. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So I'm ready to live the good life. I'm ready to continue living this good life, and I want you to live a good life with me. Amen. All of us living the good life that God prepared for us. I mean, imagine that. I just think of, you know, when I, when I read that verse, I think of a custom suit. There's nothing like custom clothing. I mean, nothing compares to putting on clothes that were made for you. I mean, just for you. A life custom made for me, meaning it has all the stuff that I like are in it. All the things that I enjoy and get pleasure in are in this life. All the things, even the challenges, but they're challenges that are just for me. So I don't see, when, I, when, when challenges come up, I don't see a challenge. I don't have to fear challenge. I don't get afraid of challenge. I ain't breaking down because of no challenge. I see challenge as an opportunity to grow. Yeah. A challenge that's custom made for me in my good life was sent here for me to develop. So bring the challenge. That's the revelation James had. What did he say? Count it all joy. Difficult time comes, James says, rejoice. (laughs) Why? Because the revelation is that you live in a good life that God made for you, customized just for you, and any challenge that comes comes towards you was made for your good. Praise the Lord. Talk about a life of victory. You mean to tell me that the life that I'm living was customized for my victory? Praise! That's good news! You mean to tell me that this challenge that I'm facing in this customized life was put here to grow and develop me and make me better? Bring it. Amen. 
Glory to God. It's all good. It's all good. You are a disciple of Christ. Say that. I am a disciple disciple of Christ. Christ. You already know that you've been saved by Christ. You've been baptized into Christ. John 8, verse 31, in the Amplified, it says this. It says, so Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them, you are truly my disciples. What did he say? So if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. What does it mean to abide in his word? What does it mean to continue in his word? That means that you hold fast to it. You live in accordance with it. You align your thinking to his word. You align your desire to his word. You reposition yourself in his word. You find out how the word applies to your everyday living, and you change whatever needs to be changed so that you line up with it. That's what it means to abide in his word, to continue in his word, to stay in his word. Oh, glory to God. To stay in his word, okay? So, you know, the first point I want to emphasize is that you are a disciple. You are a disciple of Christ. You are a student of Christ. You are a learner of Christ. He's your teacher. He teaches us how to live this life, okay? He teaches us how to live from heaven on earth. He teaches us how to live as a citizen of heaven in the earth. That's what Jesus was here to do. Part of his assignment was he was to be an example of how God's offspring should live on earth. He's my teacher. I'm his disciple. What's important to him is important to me. What's a priority to him is a priority to me. Point two, as a disciple, you do what Jesus does. As a disciple, you do what Jesus does. The the only way that you find that is if you study the word. Okay? You have to have, you develop your study time. You got good access to Bibles now. Download, man, I have two, two Bibles downloaded on my phone or my iPad. And each of those two has access to whatever translation, whatever language, notes and commentaries and all, I mean, Wow, you can get a doctorate from right here on your phone. I'm telling you, it's all available to you. You need to develop your own study time. You need to develop your own study time. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you reading those scriptures, you'll get your own revelation, your own conviction. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Your own understanding. You know, this came on my mind. You know, so the Bible says that there is no revelation that's unto private interpretation. So even as you're getting your own revelation, your revelation should correspond or correlate to things that have been revealed to other people, too. You ain't going to be by yourself in an island talking about God revealed this to me. 
No, your revelation need to match with other godly people's revelation. Yeah. If you get some revelation and it ain't, cor- it ain't corresponding with some other folks' revelation, then you need to go back here again. Amen. Amen. Scripture says, no man is an island unto himself. God didn't call you to be by yourself. There's no secret revelation. The purpose of revelation is to bless everybody. Yeah. Amen. So point two, as a disciple, you do what Jesus does. What's important to him is important to you. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through verse 11, I'm going to read this from the um, easy reader version. It says, this is my prayer for you. And this, is, this, is, this was Paul. These are Paul's words. This is Paul's prayer for the Philippians. This is my prayer for you. This is Lamar's prayer for you. That your love will grow more and more. Your love will grow more and more. That you will have knowledge and understanding with your love. So not that you just have a zeal for Christ, but you have a zeal and an understanding and knowledge. Goodness. <laughs> Let me tell you one of the most difficult people to manage. <laughs> People who have full zeal, but no understanding and no knowledge. Because you're always just trying to hold them. Just wait. Just You're going to spend all your energy on stuff. We ain't even doing that. We're not even over there. Get back over here. <laughs> so what first thing Paul says, I want you to have love and I want your love to grow. But with that love, I want you to have some knowledge and some understanding. Verse 10, it says, so with love, with knowledge, with understanding, you will see the difference between what is important and what is not. This is one of our greatest works, knowing the difference between what's important and what's not, because we have been conditioned by this world. Not only do we in our individual lives, we get conditioned by the, the mass media and the, the um, I mean, the onslaught of just advertising and the world and people are always telling us what's important and it's always in front of our eyes. Not only do we deal with that on our own, but then you have parents and friends and family and other people telling you important. And you get conditioned by this world, and this world tries to tell us what's important. Paul prays that by your love, by your knowledge, by your understanding, you'll be able to see what's really important. Oh, man, we got to know what's really important. We got to know what's really important. Because let me tell you this, There's some people who pray for prosperity, but without knowing what's really important, the enemy comes and gives them prosperity, and they sit on the sidelines with their prosperity. You prosper, and you find out the game. You didn't know the purpose of your prosperity. You didn't know the purpose of your ability, so I'll prosper you to get you to shut up and go stand over there somewhere, and now because you prospered without knowledge, without understanding... You're just going over there with your prosperity. And now you're not, you're not doing what God calls you to do. 
You don't know nothing about your assignment. You know nothing about the purposes of God, but you got your prosperity. Just get gone. You have it while you're living. When you die, he'll get it back. People who understand what's important understand where to place their resources. I know where I place my, I know where to place my resources. I know where to place my energy. I know where to place my time because I understand what's important. Yeah. I have knowledge of what's important. Amen. I can focus in because I understand what's important. It's so easy to get distracted in this life. We get distracted by stuff that seems good, like this is a good thing. And I'll just go ahead and put it out, you know, one of them, and I'm speaking generally, so this might not speak to your specific situation, but just to give an example, you know, so we all know and we all agree that it's important to educate your children. You should educate your kids, right? Now, without developing your knowledge and your understanding, you may be led by your own conditioning, you may be led to, to... finance or invest in a certain type of education for your kid. That society and tradition and culture and your family and everybody say, that is great, that's what you're supposed to do, that's awesome. You got your kid in the best school, best school, best education, and you putting up your finance and you putting money into that, that sounds really great. Does that fit what God wants you to do? Does that fit the assignment that God has given you? Does that fit where God has you and the purpose that God is sending you resources at this time? Even for, my, for young people, for college people, you know, now, now I think we've learned enough in hindsight to know that it is everybody, like most of us, our age group, most of us were conditioned to believe that the best thing for you to do is to get good grades in high school and go to college. That was the message, right? In some households, it wasn't even optional. Like, we ain't even got to talk about that. You're going to college. Now, hindsight is 2020, ain't it? Because there was a whole bunch of us that went through college, spent tens of thousands of dollars, finished with a piece of paper, and was far away from our purpose. And now all we got is student loans, a piece of paper, and it's like, I'm still, I still, I'm still, I got my degree, but I'm still praying about what I'm supposed to do. It's like, come on, what was the last six years for? <laughs> come on now. <laughs> How many people are in that position? Well, I did, well, I did everything y'all told me to do. You told me to get good grades and go to college. And now here I am, I'm finished college, I got my degree, and I'm still trying to figure out my life. <laughs> I'm still at the place I was when I graduated from high school. Why? Because we've been conditioned to think that certain things are important. What's really important is what does God want you to do? And identifying what it is that God wants you to do. And then when I've placed, when I've identified what God wants me to do, then I can ask the question, is college a part of me accomplishing what God wants me to do? What type of education do I really need in order to do what God wants me to do? Maybe there's another way I can be educated for what God wants me to do. 
we can look back and we know the scripture says that, you know, all things work for the good of those that are called according to his purpose and say, we can look back on our experiences. I look, I'll talk about me. I look back on my experience and I can say, well, you know what? I learned some things through those years and I developed in a certain way during those years. So, so thank God for those years. But the truth is that if I knew in year 2000 what I know now, I would have made a different decision. I wouldn't have spent them $30,000 on the education. That, not that one. I wouldn't have did it. That's just the truth. I know there's somebody else in here who's saying the same thing. I wouldn't have spent that money, spent that time doing that stuff to finish and then still got to pray about. Well, I, and my, my situation was I went in knowing what God called me to do. Because of my conditioning, I just thought that this is what you do next. I finished after, the, after my last year of college. I finished, and God said the same thing to me that he told me five years ago. <laughs> Wasted this time and got the same instruction from God. God said, go serve your man of God. That's all you, for what you called to do, go serve somebody. That's for me. That may not be for you, but that's for me. The point is, our first step should be identifying what's important to God. What's important to God and knowing the difference. Even right now, in various ways, some of you spend your money in ways on stuff that ain't important to God. Ain't important to God. I'm not going to get on my soapbox and my wife looking at me because it's in there. (laughs) I got this thing. I'll talk to y'all later. Once I know that y'all really on my team, I don't want to offend nobody right now and then y'all leave over no little bit of stupid stuff. But one day I'm going to have this conversation with you because there's some stuff that we spend time and money on that is dumb. It is. I'm telling you. When we get to heaven, they're going to tell us that was dumb. I don't know what y'all was thinking when y'all did that. But that one, that, that didn't make no sense. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) But it's important for us to right now know what's important to God so that I can use my abilities, use my time, use my resources on what's important to God. That is how the flow continues. Because I'm focused on what's important to him. Amen. Amen. So it says, that you will see the difference between what is important and what is not and choose what is important, that you will be pure and blameless for the coming of Christ. That scripture reminds me of the other scripture that says, study to show yourselves un- um, approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed while they're dividing the word of truth. What does it say? So that you can be pure and blameless for the coming of Christ. So that when you stand before him, you won't be ashamed of, you know, you ain't standing before God and, and, and he's asking you about did you, did you fulfill what I called you to do? Did you accomplish your assignment? And you saying, well, well God, you know, uh, I would have, but I would have done what you, all of that you called. I did part of it. I did some of it, Lord, but, but there's about, you know, there's there was about $50,000 that you sent through me that I spent on something else instead of what you really wanted me to do, Lord. So, if I had some more time, I could have made up that $50. I was in the background, figured out, and I figured out a plan to get that, recoup that money that I wasted on stuff that you didn't tell me to do. And if I had more time, I'd get that money back to do what you told me to do, Lord. But how long do you think he's going to listen to that conversation? 
he's a loving God, so he'll just love on you. And we go on and enjoy heaven, right? But I do have a desire to finish complete, to finish done. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 Verse 11 says that your life will be full of the many good works. There it is again. That's our Ephesians 2.10 connection. That your life be full of the many good works that are produced by Jesus Christ to bring glory and praise to God. You see that? Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 10 from the Amplified, it says it this way. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development in knowledge and all keen insight, that your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best. You know, um, for, for years, I would um, go between thoughts about, you know, things that I should get involved in, whether it be businesses or, or opportunities like that. You know, I'm like, okay, God, I got this idea, and, and I, I got the ability, but is this something that you want me to do? And there are many times, and one thing that I know, you know, I know to be led by peace, and I understand if there's not peace there, if I, if, you have to, if I have to ask the question, it must mean that it's not time to move forward on those things. But it's through years, through spending time and building a relationship with God, building a relationship with Jesus, spending time fellowshipping with his spirit, that you grow sensitive enough to know the difference. Because sometimes things that seem to be good will be brought to you and may even come out of you. And we jump into it. You jump into it without realizing that either it wasn't the time or, you know, I mean, you got the mind of Christ. Maybe it was just a good idea, but that don't mean that it was a good idea for you to do. What I'm saying is we have to grow sensitive in knowing the difference. What's important for me right now? What's important for me in this season? And now there's a prayer that I pray even more now because I understand that in this assignment that I have, if I, I can get involved in something that's not important for us in this season, and I've involved a whole bunch of people too. Now we all doing something that seems good, but it ain't important to what God wants us to do, right? But as a leader, you've got to have the same heart. You've got to be thinking the same way. As the head of a household, you've got to think the same way. I don't want to get my family entangled in something that it seems good, but is not of value to what God really called us to. I don't want to get our time tangled up in things that this is not important to what God has called us to, not important to his assignment. I don't want to get our money tied up into things that this is it's good idea. It seems good. It's culturally good. My family likes it. Good to a lot of people. But is it what God wants you to do? I declare over you a sensitivity that you'll begin to seek and ask, what is it that you want me to be involved in? Before you get involved, before you make decisions, you will consider your assignment. You will consider the thing that God has called you to. Verse 10 from the Amplified, it says, so that you may surely learn 
to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best and distinguishing the moral differences and that you may be untainted and pure and unerring and blameless so that with hearts sincere and certain and unsullied, you may approach the day of Christ, not stumbling nor causing others to stumble. That's the part again. You get involved in something, you bring your whole family into it. And all of y'all could be on something that's not important to the assignment that God gave you. Or you've been called to be a leader and people following you into something that God didn't really assign for you. Okay? Luke 6, verse 40 from the King James Version. To support that point, as a disciple, you do what Jesus does. Verse 40 says, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. In the Amplified, it says, a pupil is not superior to his teacher, but everyone, when he is completely trained, readjusted, restored, set to rights, and perfected will be like his teacher. Another way to say it is the student is not like the teacher, but a fully trained student will be just like his teacher. Right? This is what Jesus said to his disciples. This is what Jesus is saying to us. We're not greater than the teacher, Jesus, but when we're fully developed, fully trained, we'll be just like him. That's good news right there, man. Right? And then we have to submit to the training. The end result of the training is we'll be just like him. Amen. Point number three is this. As we review, what is it that God wants us to do? We've, we've settled. God wants us here. What is, God, what is it that God wants us to do? God wants us to know and operate like we are disciples of Christ. God wants to understand that as a disciple, we do what Jesus does. God wants us to make, this is point three, make your calling to serve the kingdom top priority. Make your calling to serve the kingdom top priority. Understand that when we talk about purpose, so sometimes we start in error when we try to pursue purpose because you're looking for this real specific thing. But purpose is really general in that your purpose is to serve the kingdom. Make that your top priority. It's in serving the kingdom that you're led to a specific place. Many are called. Many are called. Few are chosen. What's the difference? The called people showed up. And they showed up faithfully. And they kept showing up. And because of their faithfulness in showing up, then they're given an assignment. The scripture says that the faithful man abounds with blessings. What does that mean? The faithful person, the person who just keeps showing up, they abound with a blessing. What is a blessing? A blessing is an empowerment. So the faithful person is empowered to clean the bathroom. I learned how to, I can clean a bathroom. Clean the bathroom and then your faithful keep showing up. So, we, man, we need somebody to do the audio visual. So you learn audio visual too. Now I can clean the bathroom. I can do AV. I can lead. You need somebody to teach. I can teach. I keep showing up. I'm faithful and I, I'm, I'm empowered to do many things. I can manage. I can lead. I learned how to lead in church. I learned how to lead in church. I get employed in the, in the world. They ask me to be a leader. 
But I learned leadership in church from being faithful and from coming in church. There's there's a lady who um, worked for Disney. This is years ago. She worked for Disney. She was um, a student of um, when we were doing Greg Poe Institute. She was a student at GPI. In GPI and Greg Poe Institute, she learned how to do some type of project. We're doing projects and doing different things. And through that, she learned some skills that helped her with projects on her job to the point that the people who employed her asked her, because they looking like, based on who we knew you to be when we hired you, the skills necessary for you to accomplish things the way that you have, we didn't see those things in your skill set when we hired you. So where did you learn how to do this? And her response was, at church. Because the faithful person shows up and they learn stuff. And the faithful person is empowered to do a whole bunch of things because they faithful. They just kept showing up. Right? I can lead intercessory prayer. I, 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 can, I can Kirk Franklin praise and worship. <laughs> I can lead, lead groups, teach. Many of you the same. Because faithfulness, you learn different things. Right? So make your calling to serve the kingdom top priority. Everything else will fall in line. Now, listen to this. This is something I got to clarify. Your place of service in the kingdom. Notice I said kingdom. I didn't say in service because your place of service to the kingdom may not be in serving in this temple. You may not. The, it'll be great you find a place to serve in the temple the church, the temple, but your place of service to the kingdom may be in the marketplace. You understand that? Everybody's not, you know, maybe your assignment isn't to to teach. Your assignment may not be to sing or to do what what I call temple service, but understand you still have assignment to the kingdom. The kingdom is not limited to a building that we call church. God's kingdom is everywhere. God, you carry God's kingdom with you. Wherever you go, the kingdom goes with you. Jesus said the kingdom is even in your mouth. The kingdom of God has come upon you. The scripture, the parable says that the kingdom, Jesus says the kingdom is like leaven. What do you do with leaven? You insert it. You insert kingdom principles in the place that you go. So your assignment, you may have a assi- assignment in corporate you have a corporate assignment. That's where God placed you. And you're strategically placed in the corporate arena to insert the kingdom there. If that's the assignment that he's given you, be faithful to that assignment and everything else will fall in place. God may have strategically placed you in government. If that's the assignment, be faithful to that assignment and everything else will fall in place. What is everything else? Everything that you need in order to be successful in what he's called you to do will fall in place. Everything that he's already assigned to the good life that he predestined for you to live will fall in place as you be about your father's business. That's just the truth. (laughs) That scripture I referenced earlier about um, the man who leaves house and brother and his sisters and receives a hundredfold, that's Mark chapter 10, if you want to write it down. Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 30. 
And then I'm going to read to you Ephesians chapter 2 as we close out. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. From the Amplified, it says, For we are God's own handiwork. We are God's own handiwork. We are God's own workmanship. That's good news. God's been working on you. You are the product of his hands. We're God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. Born anew, not just so that you can miss hell and go to heaven, but it says right here that you're born anew that you may do good works. So you're born again. He brought you on his team because he has a work to do. He has a work for you to do. Born anew that you may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand. So the work that he's called for you, he planned it beforehand for us. God has a good work planned for you. Say that. God God has a good work work planned for me. me. And then it says, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. If God prepared a path for you ahead of time, you know it's got to be good. Think about that. God prepared something for you before you even showed up. So knowing that you were going to show up, God was preparing with the expectation that you were coming. Man, that's good news. The closest thing that we can get to that is hospitality, hospitality service. You go to a restaurant before you get to your seat. They're making sure the table is clean. It's nice. The tablecloth is nice and laid down and everything's ready for you to show up. You go to a good hotel, before you go to the room, they make sure that the room is right, the bed is dressed, the beds are dressed, and everything is ready for you to show up. They do that before you show up. If it's a good hotel, they don't wait till you get there, then start making stuff ready. If you're really rolling, they call and they get some stuff that's specific to you and your interests. Remember one time I rented a limousine. The limousine driver asked me, what type of snacks, what type of things do you like? Why? So that before you get there, I can have it there, isn't it? So take that, multiply that by a billion, and we see what God is doing. It says, God, before you showed up, God was prearranging this life. That's good news. Glory to God. If God prepared a path for me ahead of time, it's got to be good. Everything I need is on the path. Every resource, every relationship, every anointing is on the path. All the things that we desire, it's on the path. Uh, Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. God seek God seek God's way of doing things, and all these other things, they're already on the path. They'll be added unto you. Then it continues, it says, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. If God has a good life for me, I don't have to settle for a bad one. If God has a good life for me, I don't have to settle for a mediocre one. You know, remember back in the day we we used to talk about living um, uh, ghetto fabulous. Basically, what Ghetto Fabulous Living was, 
It was the life you manufactured for yourself the, to the best of your ability. You're going to make it look the best that you can. That's what it was. Right? I mean, yeah, I bought this old Chevy for $700 from a, a drunk. But I'm going to take this old Chevy. It cost me $700. And I'm about to put some $1,500 wheels on it and some 800 TVs, $800 TVs in the headrest, and I'm going to make this look the best that I can make it, and I'm going to roll hard on it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you take the same approach to everything that you got. You just, you know, no, man, God says, I got a good life for you. You don't have to manufacture one. If God has a good life for me, I don't have to settle for a bad one. I don't have to settle for a mediocre one. I expect to live like a person who has a covenant with God. Hallelujah. I expect to live like a person who has a covenant with God. I expect to live like a person who is partnered with God. I'm partnering with God in this life. This life, I'm not living my own life. I'm living a life that God has called me to. I'm not going about my own business, but I'm about his business. I'm not trying to, 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 to make a life for myself. I'm living the life that he's already made for me. Yes. Glory to God. So I don't have to do this on my own, but I live like God is my partner. I'm partnered with God in this life. I'm partnered with God in this life. He has a vision for me. He sees my end. Even right here at the beginning, he knows my frame. He knows my existence. He knows where he wants me. I'm partnering with him to live the life that he has called me to live. I want what he wants for me. I'm not allowing media and their marketing to dictate and determine to me how I'm supposed to live my life. I'm allowing God, my God, my heavenly father, he's already determined what my life is supposed to be like. He's already given my life substance. He's already given my life purpose. And he's willing to use his power, his ability, his resources to furnish the life that I live on earth. I ain't trading that for nothing. (laughs) There is no substitute I don't care how much Maybelline they put on it. You can't make it look good enough. You can't make it or manufacture enough attractiveness to it that it trumps what God has for me. Glory to God, because he is a good God. He is a good God, and he is a lavish God. I don't have to give up anything in order to live the life that God has called me to, meaning I don't have to sell myself short in order to do what God has called me to do. God wants me to do what he's called me to do in full beauty and luxury and excellence. And people will marvel at the life that God has for me. That's the life God wants for you. 
God wants to do things in you and through you that other people wonder how in the world did that happen? Because based on this system, this worldly system, and based on this worldly education, in order to get the things that you got, you got to go through step A, step B, and step C. And you got to know these people, and you got to be connected to this family, and you got to sacrifice some things and do all of this stuff in order to get what you got. So how you got what you got without doing all of this stuff? That's what God wants to produce in your life. God wants to be able to take you and hold you up so other people can see what he can do through a willing vessel. That's what God wants to produce with your life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's good news. Good news. I read something that said that, um, you know, this, the, the real battle that's going on, and it's just something I was reading. I don't know if I totally uh, agree with the whole point, but this part was sounding interesting. It says that the, the real battle that's going on is, is between, if you can call it a battle, but what's happening is, is between God and the angels. You know, Satan was an angel. And what's really happening is that God wanted to use angels. God wanted to use them. God made them beautiful and magnificent and empowered them and did all these things and wanted all these things to happen to them. And then, you know, Satan got filled with pride and and, um, he seduced a third of the angels to follow him and do it their own way. And God said, well, shoot, if you want to let me do it through you, I'll, I'll take something small as dirt, build it up. And I'll do what I want to do through them. Because as magnificent as I made you, you didn't want to submit your magnificent self to me. I'll take something that ain't work, that'll have you asking, what is man? I'll take, I'll, I'll show you, I'll show you. If I, could, if I could take man and do marvels through man, I'll have you wondering what I could have did through you. Amen. Amen. That's what God wants to do through our lives. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.